0: Hello, hello. Happy lunchtime. Um, I hope whatever you're having for lunch that you're enjoying it. I myself just had a coffee, and so I'm extra energized for this Friday 15. If you're first joining us for your first time, welcome to the Friday 15, which is every Friday at 12 central time. We go ahead and answer your travel industry questions for fifteen minutes. So, if you have a burning question that you need to get off your chest about the travel industry, feel free to drop it in the comments, or you can submit it by going to hostagencyreviews.com/slash Friday One Five. I am Stephanie Lee, and we need to get this party started. So, let's see what we got this week. Oh, by the way, if you're if you're not familiar um, with Oops! Down here, we also have Fennec, one of our pups, with us. So he he may make an entrance, and Orion is is just out of sight. But he has a habit of jumping into my lap, so that also may happen during this presentation. All right. So first question is from Matt Hughes. He says, "I'm a new to the travel industry advisor in the San Francisco Bay Area and affiliated with Nexion. Um, I am setting up my LLC." and would like to know your thoughts on paying for a separate mailing address for my travel business, Golden Bears Travel LLC. Love the name. I'm hesitant to list my personal home address as my business address. How important is this when starting a home-based agency? Also, I would like to know how you feel about renting a shared space like a WeWork or a virtual office. Do you think this is a good way to separate your home and work life? Unfortunately, I do not have a dedicated room in my house um, just for an office, The cost is definitely a concern for me as I'm starting out and I don't have any clients at the moment. Uh, thank you very much for your help. Well, Matt, first of all, thank you so much for writing in. I really appreciate it. Let's address your first question here. So first question is um, listing your personal home address as the business address. And is that important? No, I wouldn't say that that's important. So there's there's two ways to think about this. The first is the filings you make with the state. Uh, that is something that's of public record. And so you that's the one that you'll probably wanna make sure doesn't list your home address if that's something you're not comfortable with. For me personally, I can say that we don't put our personal address out there. My first uh, multiple years I paid for a PO box I think it was like $75, but it varied around town in Minneapolis, um, depending, I guess, on how popular the post office is. So I would say it's not important, but if it's something that you don't feel comfortable with, um, know that it is like permanent record if you put that on, on your state license for your company and registration. If you end up changing it, people can see like your old filings and the changes you've made. So be aware of that. Um, so. Even if you don't have a lot of money, I would say go ahead and get the post office box. Another option if you don't feel comfortable uh, with sharing your address, but you don't want to spend the money as a post office box, is if you have a friend that has a business address or a corporate address that they would be willing to let you put down. They can kind of be your registered agent, which means they can take mail for you. So any of, you know, you're not going to get tons of mail there if you're just using it for your registration purposes. Um, They can transfer over any mail to you that comes in. So that's another option and actually something that I do right now. So in regards to, oh, here here he comes. Hi, Orion. Orion's jumping up. Come on up. He he likes to sit in my lap. (laughs) So the other question is, Orion, just let me, Okay. The other question is, um, oh, hold on. Orion moved my question mark up. Okay. The other question is, how do I feel about renting a shared space like at WeWork? And I think it's a great idea. So, and the reason I think that is when I first started out, my first, I think 11 months, I worked at home by myself. And if you're single, it's incredibly lonely working by yourself at home um, for a whole year. I thought I would be so happy just to be by myself and um, focus on my projects. And I went out socially and things, but I really missed people after about eleven months. And I got a co-working membership, and it was fantastic. Uh, and and the reason is there's there's a lot of first of all for you there's going to be a lot of networking opportunities where you can educate people about using a travel advisor. Um, And it's, it's a great place for you to get new leads that involves you being very active within the community and very social and attending all the events that they put together. So that's something to consider when you're putting out money, you're likely going to get it back with leads. Um, the second thing is just, it's filled with other small business owners. Some of the people are employees that are working from home, but there's a lot of entrepreneurial spirits that go to those places. And it can give you ideas and different connections for your business that you wouldn't have had otherwise. So I can say that I found mine invaluable. Uh, I don't go there anymore, but what I, what I used to do is I didn't purchase the full week. Cause I also liked working from home. I found the co working. I did a lot of socializing and different things in addition to working. Um, but I just purchased, I think I, I went in like once a week or I purchased going in twice a week and. Tons of great connections for that. So it's something I would definitely encourage um, if you can put it on the budget. And again, try it out for a month, try it out for two months, see if you like it. And it might just be the co working space. You could try out a different co working space because each one has kind of a different feel and a different culture to it. All right. So next up, um, we have a question from Tony. And if you are just tuning in, welcome to the Friday 15. We're answering questions that people have submitted to us. If you have one, you can go to hostagencyreviews.com slash friday One Five. So this one is from Tony. And Tony says, hello, staff. I hope this finds you safe and well. I am definitely safe and very well with Orion sitting <laughs> on my lap here. I hope you don't mind me contacting you. I just didn't know who to contact with my question. Um, always feel free to contact me. I'm a franchise owner and my travel agency and LLC is registered in Illinois. One of the benefits of operating a home-based agency is that I have the freedom to operate it from anywhere. My question is, is there any U.S. law forbidding the practice of foreign nationals booking their travel through U.S. travel agents? These foreign nationals are not U.S. residents. Um, apologies if I'm asking a question you may have already addressed previously on your website or blog. Look forward for hearing from you, Tony. Well, this is definitely not a question we have on our blog, but it's a great question, Tony. And I actually reached out to, um, cause I've, I've gotten this question before and it's really difficult to get an answer from suppliers on it. And I, I got different answers from different suppliers, and no one seemed. It, it just felt like no one really knew the exact answer. So I also reached out to Mark Pastronk, one of um, the preeminent travel industry attorneys, and he got back to me. And so this is what he said. Oops, hold on. I, I didn't. I didn't pull up my. Uh, I didn't pull up my email before this. So Mark says. Um, Yep, there's no such law, so you don't need to worry about that. Um, Some fares are restricted to residents of certain countries, so that's something to be aware of, but there's no problem because um, I had told Mark that one of the things that suppliers had told me is that the travel advisor might run into some problems running the client's credit card because it's out of the country, but he says there's no problem running client credit cards through any system that I know of. You usually have to input the U.S. zip code, but if you just input 00000, like I do with foreign clients of my law firm, it will go through, uh, but the company's credit card charge will be higher, um, which is usually the vendor's going to be doing that. But yeah, I mean, I would try it out and I didn't know this secret 00000 zip code trick, so that's pretty nifty. Um, so Tony, I hope that helps answer your question. Um, there, there shouldn't be any problems. But if there are, uh, please let me know and drop me a line or um, put in this in the comments because I think this is a question people have, and there isn't um, real life great examples of someone doing this where we can get answers. So I would love to hear from anyone that has experience with this. Uh, and Tony, I'm also going to put a link to our um, because we're because one of the dangers of booking trips, especially if you don't know the person, um, from outside the country is there's a, a risk of credit card fraud. So I, I'm going to let, um, have Mary or April link to our article on credit card fra- fraud. If you're listening to this, we'll put it into the show notes description. Um, and, and that goes over things that are red flags for fraud and, and make sure to familiarize yourself with this because credit card fraud is real in travel so let's move on to our last question um monique so thank you for sharing your knowledge and experience you are welcome what questions should i ask a potential host agency regarding insurance protecting me and not as far as a health care plan um so what monique is asking here is kind of i think about errors and in omissions insurance because that's something that uh, that's a type of insurance that a host agency will typically provide. Not all of them do, um, but if they do provide it, Monique, it's very smart that you're asking what kind of questions you should be asking them about it instead of just being like, oh great, I'm covered by a million ENO policy. Um, because these, these policies are very different in what they cover and you need to be aware of it. So the first thing I would have you do is ask your host agency for a copy of the policy. They're usually not too long, um, and it should kind of spell out for you what is and isn't covered. A lot of travel advisors think errors and emissions insurance covers them for errors and if they forget to say something um, during the booking and don't inform the client about something. But that is not the case. Errors and emissions insurance is more like a legal defense Um Insurance. So it's, it's essentially if your client ends up suing you because a supplier defaults and they can't get their money back or they get hurt on a trip um, and they want to sue you, errors and emissions insurance will cover your attorney fees. I'm going to have April and Mary again put a link to our um, what is E&O insurance, errors and emissions insurance, and what travel agents need it because uh, that'll go over it more in depth for you. But things that you'll also want to ask is once you, you get the policy, you should know this, but make sure you're familiar with what the deductible is um, and what the policy amount is. Is it a million dollars, but it's shared amongst 6,000 agents? Are you comfortable with that? Um, and then also check in on if there's a payout limit per claim. It's also something to be aware of because it, um, it may or may not be worth it for you. And just if you are thinking about getting your own errors and um, errors in emissions insurance, it's usually based on your sales. So if you have a low amount of sales, it's, it's usually not too terribly expensive. But in the article, we link to some places that sell errors and in emissions insurance if that's something you're interested in getting on your own. The other thing with the errors and in emissions insurance that I want you to be aware of is Kind of your role as a travel advisor and what's expected of you. So there's there's something called duty of care um, and duty to disclose, and both of those are kind of what's reasonably expected of you that your client can reasonably reasonably expect you to know and to do as a travel professional that's guiding them. So if there's um, a volcano eruption somewhere, you should definitely know that and guide your client in what's going on. Um, If there's uncivil unrest in an area and it's unsafe for travelers, that should be something that you should be letting them know. You should be following um, the Department of State if they're issuing out any travel advisories. These are all roles that are important for you to perform for your clients. Um, We're gonna put in a couple more resources for you. The first is we have an article on how to protect your agency with travel waivers Um, so that has a lot of great forms in there for you and different travel waivers that you can use and things to be aware of we also have two more Um, one is how to protect your agency during turbulent times Uh, that's a great one for kind of just kind of getting an idea of, of things you should and shouldn't be saying so right now we're in the middle of the pandemic and you shouldn't be doing, saying things in absolutes. Um, and you should, it's a very fluid situation. So there's a lot of advice within that article. Um, and then there's, oh yeah, just the the two, protecting your travel agency with travel waivers and then the one protecting your agency during turbulent times. So thank you everyone, Monique and Tony and, Monique and Tony and Matt, Thank you so much for your questions. If you have a question, submit it in the comments below or at reviews.com slash Friday 1-5. And again, this is every Friday, 12 p.m. Central Time. We go ahead and answer your travel industry questions over lunch for 15 minutes. You may or may not be graced with the um the dogs of Har, which is Orion and Fenny, who are here with me today. So um, you can watch it on YouTube or you can listen to it uh, via our Travel Agent Chatter podcast. Thank you so much, everybody. Have a great weekend. I'm so excited. Every weekend, every Friday, this happens to me. Am I the only one?